Grace and peace to you from Harvester Reformational Church in Milnerton, Cape Town, the mother city of South Africa. Founding Apostle Andre and Prophet Nola Pelser have reached almost 100 nations to date, fulfilling the great command to love and the great commission to go into all the world, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and making disciples of Jesus Christ. May God confirm the preaching of his word with signs and wonders following in your life. For free sermon notes, visit www.harvesterchurch.net and click on the sermons tab. Search for the topics you need and keep spreading the word. Remember that some of these teachings are also available on DVD from Pelser Media. So contact Apostle Aja Pelser at A-J-E-P-E-L-S-E-R at gmail.com for more information. Now, here is Apostle Andre Pelser. I want to share some lessons on contentment. Lessons on contentment, about contentment. Um, 1 Timothy 6.6 Godliness with contentment is a great gain. Uh, Woost translation, somebody, Mornay, Pastor Mornay also mentioned Woost translation. That portion of scripture. He says... The beclouded state of mind is caused by pride and it is the result of not doing any concentrated thinking uh, in even one instance merely exercising a morbid curiosity about inquiries and quarrels about words from which comes envy, strife, hurtful speech, Malicious suspicions. Men who have disinherited themselves from the truth think godly piety is a way of gain. After giving the matter due consideration, they choose to desire wealth and go with their hurtful cravings which drown them in destruction. They bend their every effort to grasp money and are led away from the faith and pierce themselves through with many consuming sorrows and griefs. Incredible translation. Woost translated the entire New Testament. Did an incredible job there to give us perspective. But what I want to concentrate on is if you choose... Godliness and contentment, it is great gain and I want to give some benefits from the lessons we can learn from this. The true aim of godliness is contentment. False teachings make Christians greedy for gain and stir up their selfish desires that are never satisfied. You know... Uh, in the days when we could still bath you know maybe they've come back now that the dams are full but uh, most places where I travel it's only showers but I grew up without showers it was baths and then later on showers came but I remember you know getting into a warm bath 
you can hardly put your foot in it because it's so hot the water. So you slowly go in. Then the one foot is in. Then the other one. Then you just stand to adjust to the temperature. You know, and then slowly you go down. Oh, slowly. And finally you're in up to your neck and you lie in this heated water. You can hardly breathe. Within five minutes, you put in more hot water. It's amazing. And that's when I realized the flesh is never satisfied. Also, another Solomon noticed something. He made lots of observances. He says, The eyes are never full of seeing, and the ears never full of hearing. You know, the whole day you look at everything, you do your work, you see everything, go home, and then you still watch television. It just never gets full. eh? And the ear... You hear all the noises and everything, you, then you put on the radio to listen to more music. It's, it just never gets full. The flesh itself can never be satisfied. So if you live to satisfy the flesh or self, it will never be, you'll never be satisfied. There's got to come a change where you understand what contentment is, how to operate in it, together with godliness and to avoid all the the teachings that have made God the uh, what's the Aladdin in the lamp? the genie people think if they quote scriptures they just rub God the right way God will appear and he will say what can I do for you O master no he is the master Amen. They got it wrong. And a lot of teachings, unfortunately, in the church all over the world, they teach, all they teach is what you can get out of serving God. It's just your benefits. And actually, uh, it's the other way around. When, when Jesus met Paul on the way to Damascus when he was still Saul, and he knocked him off his horse, He didn't say to Jesus, What can you do for me, O Lord? What did he say? What do you want me to do? That is the true response of a believer. God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to operate in this situation? And uh, so... Godliness with contentment is great gain, and we want to find out what that is. Uh, True contentment is based on the fact that God promised to supply, as we said just now, all our needs, according to Philippians 4, verse 10 to 19. The trust that God will look after you and care for you brings contentment. The suspicion that God might not do it takes away all contentment and brings frustration. You frustrate the grace of God. Um, 
how did you get here today? At, in this stage of your life, it looks like you all had some food at least today. Well, it's the most communion I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but I'm very grateful for it. <laughs> I didn't know, no one said we're not supposed to drink it all. I did. I thought, wow. It's Pastor Mornay's invention. But, uh, you know, God has taken care of you somehow that you're here. You're still alive. Amen? I, every day I wake up, I say, hey, I'm still alive. Because uh, I know the other side. I was pretty close. Hey? And so I appreciate the fact that I'm still alive. I can still see the beauty of the mountains and the sea. Uh, you know, I can still talk to people. It's wonderful to be alive. I can still enjoy my food. That's one of the greatest blessings in life, to enjoy your food. And, uh, you know, uh, we have so much to be thankful for. And we need to remind ourselves, God has taken care of you up till now. Why will He not do so tomorrow? Amen. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Amen. We can trust Him. And, and it takes effort. It takes effort. But as I said last week, it takes the same effort to doubt as to believe. It takes the same effort to complain than to give thanks. It's the, it's the same effort. It takes the same breath, same energy. And uh, we have to continually watch what we think and what we say because the devil bombards you with negative thoughts. And he doesn't know which one you'll take, but he tries everything. And you have to repel them like Nola did this morning during worship. You have to resist it. If you don't resist it, the devil sees, oh, he's taken this thought, then he batters you with that. Because uh, he doesn't know what you're thinking. So he, he just throws darts at you, different thoughts, and see which one you'll take. Don't take it. Rather uh, speak the word of God. Contentment is seeing life from God's point of view. Contentment is seeing life from God's point of view. How God looks at everything. You know, um, I just heard from one of our businessmen in the church. They had the best month in 10 years of their business now during COVID. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God amazing? Where most businesses close down and shops close down, he says, the best month in, the, in 10 years was now last month in COVID. And uh, I thought, wow, God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen? And uh, many of our people got promotions, and some of our children, even overseas, people part of our movement, have gotten uh, uh, bursaries and scholarships, and people. Uh, God has blessed people even during this terrible time that we've experienced. Contentment comes when you focus on what you're supposed to do, what you can do, what you can do. You know, there's many things I can't do, 
And I see other people do it and I can admire it. But I cannot envy it because I wasn't trained to do it. I don't have the capacity to do it. I've got certain capacities. And I must do what I can do with the ability that was given to me. Other people do much more. They make it look so easy, whatever they're doing, because they were trained to do it. They have the capacity to do it. Amen? How God does makeup. If I have to do makeup, it'll look terrible. But you know, she does, she beautifies the bride and everyone and, you know, but it's, she's been trained to do it. Didn't your mom also do that? There you go. It's an example. And, you know, someone that can fix something. It's amazing. You know, uh, Neil, when the computer goes wrong, him and Arthur, they just, they talk to the computer. <laughs> like it's a human being. Now let me see, uh, no, 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 I didn't want you to do that, I want this. Now where is this? And the computer just works with them. You know, when I do it with a computer, everything freezes. It's just, and when I call them, suddenly it works. It's like when you take the dog to the vet, the dog suddenly gets healthy. (laughs) But you've been trained to do it, there's something you've been trained my uh, my grandfathers, both my grandfathers, my father, my uncle, and they were all in the ministry. And they always took me along and I don't know why, but my dad and my uncle, whenever I was with them, they would take me to the hospital to pray for someone. Then I'd go with them and, and then when they there, they said, we're not yet to talk to them, we had to pray for them. So we say hello, we pray for them, and we leave. They don't want a conversation, they're not well. And so, you know, we pray for them, go out. You know, uh, and then my, my uh, uncle would also take me when he does house visitation sit down and listen to the problem and then we pray for them and we move on my dad too and uh, they would give me books to read and I'd be in their meetings I grew up you know in Pentecost and it was so natural for me eventually when I submitted to it to be in the ministry because I had all sorts of other ideas that I wanted to do but I had to understand what I had the capacity for, what's been built into me, and when I do it according to that, I'm content. When I try and do something else that I wasn't trained to do, it's very difficult. You're frustrated, and you're doing it because someone else was doing it, or they earn more money, so I'm going to earn more money, but you don't have the capacity for it. So contentment comes when you do what you're supposed to do. Your perspective in life determines the level of your contentment. It's the way you look at things. You know, two men behind bars, one looked out and saw the mud, other one looked up and saw the stars. Same prison cell, but the one just saw the mud, the other one said, hey, there's hope. It's how you look at things. It's very, very important to get perspective on things 
And God is the one who gives you the perspective if you ask for them. The word contentment in Greek, it means self-satisfaction, competence, a source of immense profit, inward sufficiency, not getting but possessing inwardly, the Greek word for uh, contentment, it means uh, like a baffling wind. Like a baffling wind. It means that when you're content, people don't understand why you are content. You baffle them. You know, everyone's complaining, you're not complaining. I've often uh, stood in places, you know, the last message they gave us at Miracle Valley when I finished the very last message at graduation was learn to be content. Wasn't a great inspiring message like you're going to conquer the world and win millions of souls. It was, hey, we send you out into the world, go and learn to be content. And uh, Brother Rogers, he still preached, he says, you might learn contentment through tears. You might learn contentment because of your mistakes and your failures. But learn contentment. You might learn contentment through joy, joyous experiences. But learn contentment. Learn to be content when things go well too. Amen? Sometimes find something to celebrate about. Coop yourself a milkshake now and then. You know, look for something to celebrate. Learn contentment in, find yourself doing something right for a change and always not scolding yourself for getting it wrong. Eh? Be happy that you are you. Find contentment in the fact that God didn't make anyone else like you. Eh? You're different. You're different, you think different. Differently, it's the adverb. Lynette, verstaan jy nie Engels nie? Nie kan nie sê, think different nie. Jy moet sê, think different? Lee. That's it. <laughs> Lee is your adverb. Every adverb has got Lee in it. I dreamt about you last night. I, I came around the corner, I bumped into you. And I said, Lee, you surprised me. Yeah. You know, uh, it's good to 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 learn uh, that you are unique without being proud about it. So your prayer life will be different. You don't have to try and pray like somebody else or sound like somebody. The way you respond to the Bible is different. It's a unique relationship. I said to God now, a few two months ago when I was praying. I also prayed since then, but that time, <laughs> that time, I said to God, Lord, um, I don't know if you're aware of it, but you're not allowed to return to earth now because we're in lockdown. <laughs> we're not even allowed to leave our homes. So if you come in the sky now, you're going to hover there for a very long time. Till our president says it's time to go. 
<laughs> I, you know, you must inform God of what's happening. He's far away, sitting there on the throne. And God doesn't have much to do. It's like, oh, I wish all this would be over now, but... Uh, so I said to God, I just want to inform you, you can't even come here as he here comes. We can't even come But the Lord didn't answer me. He didn't answer me. I'm still waiting for the reply. Like, I, I just want him to say, thank you, Andre, for informing me. Now I know what's going on. But... No response whatsoever. I have to be content with that. Make peace with it. Uh, contentment is shown in your respect to your superiors, your parents, your employer, your government, whether you like them or not. You still pray for them. Respect them. While they have a chance, even though they mess it up or whatever, you still have to respect them. Boaz was a very good example of that. When he greeted his workers, he would say, God bless you, and they say, and God bless you too. Wonderful relationship between him and his workers. Moses was content to dwell with Israel. He was content to dwell with Jethro. Jethro means his excellency. So he had to call his father-in-law, your excellency. <laughs> that would make any father-in-law very happy. But anyway, uh, then finally he married one of Jethro's daughters, and his first son he called Gershon. Gershon, it means alien in a foreign land. Gershon. I'm an alien. I'm a legal alien. That's Gershon's song. <laughs> I'm an alien in New York. It's a, Gershon means alien. It's a stranger in a strange land. But Moses had to learn contentment. He had to watch sheep for his, for Laban, uh, for Jethro, uh, for almost 40 years. But when God sent him to bring Israel out of Egypt, he could lead them through that wilderness which he knew very well. He knew every place. He could lead them through that. See, God first prepares you for something before he asks you to do it. Let me say that again. God prepares you for something before he asks you to do it. He's not a bully. He, God never throws you in the deep end. Hey, 2 Corinthians 5, 6 and 7 says that for he who has prepared you for this very thing is God. Therefore, you can always be confident. For we walk by Faith and not by sight. Now, during the charismatic era, they only quoted verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight, but we didn't know how to do it. 
You must read verse 6. You can only have faith for something if God has prepared you for it. So then your confidence is not in how good you are, but how well God has prepared you for it. Amen? We must understand God's ways. Then it's easier to walk with Him and to be content with what He allows and what He doesn't allow. Sometimes... No is also an answer. We, we want God always to say yes. He, sometimes he says no. Not yet. He must first prepare you for it. <clears throat> the value of contentment, it means to ward off or to raise a barrier against greed and... Uh, so that it cannot control your life. So it's like taking one of these. Uh, bring me one of these things. Two guys. Two other guys. Yeah, bring me one of those more. Just to illustrate. Thank you. Just put it here. And then keep it there. So when you're content... You raise up a barrier against greed. Yeah, yeah, it's so content. The, uh, against greed and, and envy and all those things that are out there. And against hurtful words and everything that follows as a result. And uh, you are protected. You've raised up a barrier against it. Against greed. Because you've learned to be content. You're safe. Thank you. Amen. And uh, that's why John the Baptist said to the people when he preached to them, to learn to be content with your wages. That's a very difficult thing. Learn to be content with your wages because everyone wants more, more and more. So greed is not something that only rich people have, poor people also have it. It's a wanting that's never satisfied. <coughs> Greed, uh, 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 contentment also has this image. It's like a ship that r- lifts its anchor and sails away. Lifts its anchor. You see, what greed and those things do, they, they keep you in one place. You can't make progress. You lift the anchor and you sail away. It means you're now in the waters of contentment. It's a wonderful image. Wonderful image. Paul says you should withdraw from greedy and argumentative people after you've warned them. Don't spend too much time with people who always just talk money. Money is good. It's to be used. And it's necessary. But some people cannot talk about anything else except money and how to make money. And Paul says avoid them. Why? Because they'll influence you. They'll influence you. And it will cause envy and hurtful words and pride to spring up. 1 Timothy 6 verse 8. Having food and clothing, therewith be content. Who's got food and clothing? All of us. 
We should be content. Now, the secret is what I've learned is to trust God for more while you are being content. And don't let what you're waiting for frustrate you now. Because then you frustrate the grace of God in your life. And uh, you see the gain of godliness and contentment means you have peace and you have joy in spite of your circumstances. Because you're trusting God that he will help you out of all your circumstances. Amen? Because the moment you've conquered something, something else goes wrong. Or you make a mistake. Who's never made a mistake? <laughs> Who's never sinned? Oh, it's normal people here. Yeah. See, uh, be content even when you make a mistake that you can learn from it. If you sin, you find God's forgiveness, you learn how God can forgive you. It's a wonderful lesson. I'm not saying go and sin, but you can learn something from it. Amen? Find contentment in every circumstance. And it's an effort, and it's the lifestyle Jesus lived. That's why he continually had peace and joy. And he said to his disciples, My peace and my joy I give to you, not as the world gives, so no one can take it away from you. While trusting God, live with contentment. Paul says, I am self-sufficient with a sufficiency that Christ gives me. It's like a country that's self-contained. They've got all the products they need to feed their people. And they've got all the gold or diamonds, whatever, to be a wealthy country, to export things. It's a self-contained country. That's what God wants every believer to be. Self-sufficient from within. Trusting God for more. Amen? Does that make sense? So, when you raise up this barrier of contentment, it also keeps you from being perpetually frustrated. Always frustrated about everything in life. It means you're never content. You're never happy with what you've got because you always want more but you haven't learned to be content with what you have trusting God for more that's where the difference must come in contentment means strength equal to the task strength equal to the task before you start doing something just say God help me with this Instead of doing and doing and failing and failing and getting frustrated and saying words that your mother didn't teach you. And so, this is the message. Be content that God will give you all the things you need once He has developed the capacity in you to receive it. If you don't have the capacity to receive something, 
it's useless for God to give it to you. Amen? Johan had to go and work in Johannesburg for how many years? Three. With his family staying here? For one year. And then they went up. And then he learned things there and he came back and they gave him the managing position uh, in a very, very big company. But he had to learn how to go and do it. He can't just give it to him. He had to develop that capacity to do it. Amen? God said to me, I make a deal with you. You go and call a nation you don't know and then nations will open to you. First go through the trouble and the frustration and the difficulties and the hardship of calling one nation you don't know. Then from all those lessons, I'll open up all the other nations to you. So many people when I travel, they say, I want to travel with you. I want to go to all the nations. I say, go and call a nation you don't know. What? I said, that's the bargain. That's how it works. If you're not prepared to go through the trouble in one nation, how are you going to go through the trouble in a hundred nations? Just develop the capacity to do something. And so it is in every work, every job. It takes time to develop something. Even in relationships, it takes time. It's not overnight to develop capacity. Eh? Uh, when I was small, the one president of the AFM, Um Vermeulen, was a big guy. He could eat a lot. When we gave him wars and pop, he used to take his knife and scrape out the last pop out of his plate and lick it off his knife. It's, it's not very good to do, but that's how he did it. I remember there was clean. His plate was clean. But uh, at the camp conference every year, there was always about 7,000 people for a whole week during Easter holidays. They have all their meetings and Easter weekend. And one day I walked across the patch of grass there near the, the restaurants and the takeaway shops. And he was coming across too. We, you know, we knew him. Our families knew each other. We stayed on his farm in Sanin one holiday. And he saw me and he came towards me and he, he said, Hello, Booty Pelser. Hello, Booty Pelser. And he knelt down, you know. He knelt down. This big guy knelt down there and, and, and looked me in the eye. And said, who can that mit Booty Pelser? He came down to my level, looked me in the eye, put his hand on my shoulder. I felt like a king. That this important man, the president of our movement, would greet me and humble himself to eye level me. And so, you know, when we had kids, I remembered that. That when I'm very angry, and you want to hit them, which is good sometimes, but you mustn't hit them out of anger. I would go down on my knees, look them in the eyes, and all of a sudden, I don't feel like hitting them anymore. I'm now at their level. You know? 
And uh, I asked him, why did you do this? And 99% they would tell me, I don't know. I don't know why I did it. We started playing golf and we had a big house there in Pretoria. And we would take the seven iron. The garden was so big we could play with the seven iron, pitch it and... And one day in the house, uh, it was a very old farmhouse. In the house, the doors also had windows above them. And there was long passages. So I just heard a window break. And I got up from my study, I went. Here he's standing with a pitch iron in the passage. And the window above my bedroom door is broken. And he stood like that. And I said, Archer, why did you do that? He says, I don't know. I I didn't think it would go so high. (laughs) I said, okay, but your pocket money must pay for that. And he never did that again. Eh? But, you know, to, to get to people on the level they're at, Changes the way that you'll respond to them. Uh, we're often very harsh on people in areas where we've already gained the victory. Or areas where we don't get tempted. Then we're very harsh on people who do get tempted in that. But you know, in the list of people that uh, the Bible rebukes, All the sinners, adulterers, and murderers. Do you know what's in that list? Murmurers. People who murmur and complain. They're in that list. Same list. Why? Because Israel murmured and complained so much that God delivered them from Egypt instead of thanking Him for it. That they all died in the wilderness and only the few who were thankful went into the promised land. Murmuring, they were constantly murmuring against Moses, murmuring against God. And uh, it's just as serious an offense as all the others. In God's eyes, that's also sin. And we tend to rate sin that this is a big sin, that's a small sin, it's all sin. And uh, we need to ask God continually forgive us. Be thankful. Learn to be content. Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. He says, I've learned to be abased. I've learned to have nothing. And I've learned uh, to abound. To have more than I need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a wonderful thing. But you don't always hear preaching about this. Because it's not popular. But it's very valuable for life. It's very valuable. You can have a wonderful life and people around you can feel blessed if you've learned some contentment. You might not have it 100%, but learn how to operate in it. I gave some lessons this morning that you might have to go through your notes again or pray about. Say, Lord, teach me contentment. And He will. But it takes time, because we're human beings. 
we, we make mistakes. But content, godliness to know God and to learn to be content is great gain. Why? Because money cannot buy it. Money cannot buy it. Gold cannot buy it. It has to be given to you. It has to be become part of who you are, how you think. Be content. You know? I used to win all the races in the West Rand. I told Margaret yesterday. Out of all the schools in the West Rand, Rand when we had the finals of all the schools, I came third. So I was the third fastest schoolboy in my age group in the whole of the West Rand. And then we moved to Brankpan to the East Rand and I got mumps. No, no, tonsillitis. That was tonsillitis. And I had to take out my tonsils and uh, I was in bed for a week. I could only eat jelly. That's very nice, jelly. And then later custard and soup, and, but not hot soup. And then eventually... But what happened during that period of about two weeks, uh, I picked up weight. And uh, a week or two after that, it was... The eight dinner, what is it? For the athletic heats. We had to, they had to choose an athletic team. And I went and ran thinking, ah, I normally win. I came fifth. I was so staggered and humiliated that I came fifth. I normally come first. But I gained weight and I was out of practice and, you know, I had to readjust. I grew too. I grew taller since the last year athletics. And, um, you know, so I had to accept that. And it's the first time in my life that I had to sit on the pavilion and sing songs for all the other athletes. That was the worst part. You know, I didn't want to sing. And then the chili would say, Hey, son! So, ah, Fucha. No, I didn't say Fucha. <laughs> and, uh, and then you know what? Uh, they announced it's cricket season. And Afrikaans primary schools, even high schools, hardly ever played cricket. It was an English game. And I went to the library and I studied cricket. I taught myself how to bat by my mom's long mirror, dressing mirror, how to keep my elbows straight and get the bat, and how to spin the ball. I would spin it on the carpet against the bed. And so I, I practiced. And so I had to be content that I'm no longer the fastest athlete. I had to find something else to concentrate on. started playing cricket. did very well. Only later in matric, when I was in Milneton High School, it was a small school, they didn't have enough metrics for the under-19 team. I was only 16. But um, uh, they said, you have to run. So I had to run again. And I did well with hurdles. My speed came back again. But uh, 
You know, you have to learn contentment by the situations that God allows and, and things He doesn't allow. You know, if God says no, it's no. It's a closed door. It's no use bashing your head against it. You'll get hurt. And, uh, you know, so it's a, I'm talking here about a lifetime of uh, learning to be content. Or then choose to disinherit yourself from the faith, from the truth. And then you'll penetrate yourself with many consuming griefs and sorrows. It's a sad thing. But, uh, you know, you can choose. It's your choice. It's my choice. And I'd rather, I'd rather learn to be content than to give up my faith in God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand and we pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that covers every aspect of our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that the suffering we experience will never outweigh the glory we experience in you. And we come together, Lord, to experience that glory in your presence, together as a family of God. And today I ask you, Lord, that you teach us contentment in a greater way, and that we will understand it and raise up that shield against the greed and the things in the world. And that we will learn that God has good things in store for us in spite of the circumstances we face. And that we can learn to trust God completely for more things while we are content walking with God day by day. Father, this is a difficult balance that we cannot get right in our own strength. And as Lynette also testified this morning, your Holy Spirit's been given to us as a helper to, to teach us these lessons of contentment, Father, so that people will experience your presence when they come into our presence, that they will be baffled by the fact that we're content in spite of everything we're facing. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Father. Everyone agrees. Say amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. And uh, go on your way rejoicing. I can't say, can I say hug each other already? Are we there yet? We're not there yet. Okay, put on your mask together. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. God bless you. Thank you.